0: You can have a seat. You may have a seat. So um, we uh, here this weekend are finishing uh, the series we've been since early spring. So I know we have visitors because of the baptism and all that. You're like, it's like walking into the credits in a movie, right? And you're like, oh, are you kidding me? Um, it'll be all right. I promise. Um, but I did want to bring us back to something that we showed you to inspire you all the way back then um, to be excited about this upcoming series. So let's watch that. Good evening, Mr. Walden. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to take the gospel and spread it to the entire world. The location of your mission is Cornerstone Church, Uxbridge, Massachusetts. As always... Should you be caught or killed, the Secretary will disavow all knowledge of your actions. This message will self-destruct in 5, 4, 3, 5, 4, 3, 5, 4. Access denied. Access denied. Access, denied. Access, granted. Five, four, three, two, one. Some missions seem impossible. This isn't funny. Who's going to let me down? Nope. Guys? Anybody? (laughs) (laughs) 911. Well, as you can tell, all these months later, I'm still the pastor here. Hollywood has not called. Um, You know, but, uh, and that did hurt, I got to tell you. I'm, I. I have all the respect in the world for the firefighters and rescue workers who use that apparatus. I will not be. Um, thankfully, I was done with child rearing, so we're good. Uh, sorry, too far? Not too far? Okay. Um, so, uh, w- but I wanted to show that to you because the whole uh, meaning behind this series and this phase one of Acts has been that mission that seemed impossible to a ragtag bunch of fishermen and men and women who were nobodies, had really no influence or power. And there they were, uh, probably about as many people that we have in this room today. That's all there were, right? And, and a lot of times, we, uh, the Bible uses this analogy of like seed, right? And it's just a few seeds. You think about it, they go in the dirt, right? And you can't really tell, and they get stomped into the dirt, and then they grow, and then they flourish, and then they spread. And so we're here today not to look back on Acts and go, oh, look what happened a long time ago, but to realize that this mission of the gospel, we saw 10 people, uh, four of the nine, and and, and six more that we witnessed here at at the 11, uh, that 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 proves that this mission is still going and won't be stopped. It's not impossible. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we we come before you, and our hearts are um, many different places this morning and you know each one of us. You created us. You know what hearts in this room and those joining us um, in other places as well. You know who needs encouragement and is feeling disappointed or despondent. You know who needs conviction of sin. You know God who needs salvation. You know who needs um, just a a a refreshment in you. And so, Lord, I pray through your spirit and your power, you would accomplish your will. As you've already done here this morning, you would continue in our short time together in your word. And it's in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. 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 Um, So we, uh, as I said, we're we're finishing up um, this phase. We're not going through all the book of Acts. We will return, but this is kind of phase one of two, right, of, of, of the book. Uh, of Acts. And so if you want to follow along, oh boy, there's, that's still there. So can you uh, put my slides up, Isaac, and I'll get out of this. Um, so if you want to follow along, uh, it's Acts uh, chapter 12, verse 18. And uh, I'll put it on the screen, hopefully. We'll find out here in a second. Um, okay. Is that working now? Good. Okay, so, uh, uh, but while you do that, you might want, some of you are kind of like, what's next, you know, some of you type A people, so uh, we have uh, one week, we're kind of celebrating the theme of Thanksgiving, and by the way, uh, on Tuesday night before Thanksgiving, so not this week, but next week, we'll be doing our our typical, uh, simple, just kind of worship gathering where we just thank God together, it's a simple service, the Lord's Supper, and we're also going to have some refreshments afterwards, so you're invited and welcome to, to come join us for that, and then... Advent. Can you believe that? Is that sort of scary? Um, It was just 75 degrees, although this week not so much. Uh, So it's going to start feeling a little bit more like that, and uh, so we will be needing readers. We do an Advent wreath, uh, so if you like to read, let me know. Even if you don't, uh, too bad. Let me know, and we can uh, make you a part of it. Okay, all right, so uh, I, I want to, uh, whether you were here last week or not, I wanted to, because we, this picks it up well, we're kind of in the middle of something, right, and so last week we saw this amazing uh, uh, narrative uh, surrounding the church at Jerusalem and, and Peter, and let me see, I got my chain here, all right, guys, so if you were here last week, you remember this, this is if you fall asleep during my sermon, no, it's it's really not, it's really not, um, and so if you, you remember, there's this guy named, named Herod, and 'd call him a king because he was in charge of all this land, right? And, and he's not the same Herod as the Christmas Herod. That was his grandfather, but both of them, it runs in the family, were pretty bad individuals. And this one wanted to curry favor with the Jewish leadership at that time. And so they knew, he knew that they didn't really like this, this new sect called the the Christianity, or the way, or whatever these people were calling themselves, and, and so he was going to do something about it. And so he arrested James, one of the apostles, and he had him executed by sword. And then he saw how excited that made the Jewish leaders, and so he arrests Peter, the top guy. Watch what I'm going to do now. And he puts him in chains, literally chained two Roman guards, uh, soldiers, right, in the, the deepest part of the prison, and there he is, of course he was sleeping, if you remember, right, and Herod uh, goes to sleep that night, the next day, wait till they see what I'll do, I'm more powerful than these people, this church, this whatever they're teaching about this Jesus, like I'm, I'm more, I'm Herod, I'm more powerful than any of that, so he goes to sleep excited for the next day, but we know an angel comes, and it's like my favorite angel, right, the gangster angel, right, He's not gentle and he doesn't have wings. He comes and he smacks Peter, right? He strikes him to wake him up. And his chains fall down. And he leads him out of the prison and he brings them back to the church as they're praying for Peter. And Peter, uh, they they get excited praising God. And Peter goes off to a place where he can kind of lay low for a while, right? So Luke, before jumping to the next thing, wants to tell us about Herod. What about Herod? Okay? So Herod went to, went to sleep going, oh yeah, I'm Herod. Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the centuries and he ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and he spent time there. So he He has a temper tantrum, basically, right? Uh, Herod thinks he's all that, and nothing's going to stop me and my power. Watch what I do, people! You're really worried about this little uh, Christianity thing. I'm going to take care of it. Finds out I'm not taking care of anything. Peter's gone, right? So he he throws a fit, and like any child might do, he has the soldiers killed because he has the power to do that, and he leaves town in a snit. Right? He's upset. He's angry, and he leaves because he's probably also a little bit embarrassed. And what Luke, I think, puts front and center for us here, right, is that no matter how powerful you think you are, no matter how much money you might have in your bank account, no matter how much influence you might have in society, no matter what you think you can do and accomplish, that when you stand in front of what God is doing and what he's accomplishing and his message, you will lose. He's more powerful. Right? So there's small victories, right? James is dead, right? There's seemingly, I got the victory, right? But, but God in his sovereign plan, is he's, he's doing something, and his gospel will not be stopped. That's the point. And so now, uh, Luke could leave here and, and, and move on, but there's this really interesting thing that happens to this Herod. What about Herod? He left town. What's going on with him? Well, Luke writes, Now, Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, and by the way, I don't usually wish I had a different name, but Blastus, I mean, if you're pregnant, I'm just saying, it's a good idea, Pastor Blastus. I mean, people would definitely listen to me then, right? Blastus, love it. Don't, Don't call me that, I'm not worthy of it, all right? So this guy, he's the king's chamberlain, so he's Herod's like assistant. They asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food, Right? They, they needed Herod's good side. Herod's angry with them. They need food, and Herod's in charge of this place. right? And so they, they need to basically butter him up and brown nose Herod. And so they get a hearing uh, with, with Herod, and this is what we find out happened. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a god and not of a man. What's interesting about this biblical account is we actually have preserved a secular account in a historian of the day, um, a Jewish historian named Josephus. And he tells this story from the secular point of view. And what he says is that Herod, uh, it was a, a day to celebrate the emperor, and Herod put on this silver robe, and the light was hitting him, and he was just glistening, right? And then he gave this speech, and it's a big windbag speech telling about how awesome he is, right? And when he got done, people were indeed saying things like, we thought you were just an amazing man, but you are a god. Now, they're Romans. They believe in a lot of different gods, right? So it's not that big of a deal. But Herod, supposedly Jewish, not very practicing, of course, but he should at least know this. The basic rule is nobody gets worshipped but God. right? Nobody gets praised but God. You don't receive this kind of glory. But Herod soaked it all up. Yes, yes look at my robe I'm glistening right look at me and so what happened then is Luke says this immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last wow that's like a scene from Indiana Jones right there isn't it and, and, and it's just like, I love how Luke puts it. Remember our, our story from last week? It's almost the exact same language. Peter's sleeping, he's in chains, and an angel struck him, and he woke up, and he was free. Probably, I, I don't know, maybe the same angel. He's my favorite angel, right? And maybe it's him. And he, he goes, and now he strikes this Herod who isn't in chains. He's receiving glory that God should deserve. He's saying, look at me. He's at the pinnacle of his life. And the angel says, I don't think so. And he is dead. Now, Josephus actually tells us what happened, right? And this is the historian. says that that as he was on his throne during that day, he got stricken with a tremendous pain in his stomach. You know, we don't know. They didn't have the medical care we have, right? So whatever it was, it was horrifying. And they brought him into a bedchamber where he lay sick and in pain for five days. And then he died. And then he died. And so all Luke's giving us is God's point of view here is that this happened because an angel struck him. And this happened because now we see this beautiful contrast, this beautiful contrast, where you had Peter in chains, the gospel in chains, supposedly, right? And and now, boom, he's alive. The gospel flourishes. But Herod is being eaten by worms. Now keep that picture in your mind right, this great Herod, he's dead, he's, right, right, he's the one that thought he had all the power, and then Luke says this, but, right, that means he's going to compare it, he says, but, you got Herod eaten by worms, but the word of God increased and multiplied, right, that's again, that's why I brought my, my seeds, because that's a farming term. Jesus loved those, that, right, that, that there's this multiplication and increase where the seeds were planted and it seemed little and it seemed small. It just keeps flourishing. No matter how much you try to stop it, it blows up. No matter how much you think you're going to come against it, this mission of the word of God, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, won't stop. Right? It won't. And, and this beautiful contrast, Herod who thought he was over it and more powerful, gone. The word of God keeps on going. And so Luke finishes phase one with sort of a transitional sentence here. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. So that sets up the next phase where this guy Saul, or we might know him as Paul, will take the gospel to the Gentiles and to deep places to the ends of the earth. But here's the thing, as we cap this series up, that I want to remind you that, that why we crossed out the impossible, the gospel is such a small thing, And so many think it's pathetic or it's antiquated or it's old-fashioned or it's something not for me, right? And yet it keeps going. And yet there are people right now and all over the world, some at the risk of their life praising the same Jesus as we are. Right? The the, seed of the gospel just infiltrating hearts and lives and families and homes and communities. All these different stories, your stories, my stories, coming together to understand right? that we are the evidence of this gospel mission. You are. If you're a Christian, you're evidence. This is how many years later, how many miles across the world, how many different languages, right? How, how many differences we have, and yet here we are standing upon the same thing, the same promise, the same mission, and now millions upon millions of people on the backs of those who have come before. We stand here or sit here today. The only question is, will there be someone else here tomorrow because we're here today? But the first question, and here's a really important question that I want to uh, ask you, and you don't need to answer me. I just want you to ask yourself, is your heart, is your life evidence of this mission, of this gospel? That's the question. Is your heart, is your life? Because you're going to be part of a mission that, hasn't actually infiltrated yet. You see, one of, one of my, the, the things that, that keeps me up at night, and I'm getting a little older, so some things I eat keeps me up at night, right? And Some of you can relate. Right? Young people, oh, I can eat. Yeah, you'll see, you'll see, right? But, but so, w- this other thing that sometimes kind of grows my mind is that, I'm not, that I'll ever not be clear enough and bold enough and, and whatever enough to help you to understand that Jesus is the only way. That, that, that you're, especially, now if you came in here, you're agnostic or you're atheist and you're not, sure, sure I love you. I'm so happy you're here. But the ones that I especially worry about are, are those of you who are hovering around God and think you're okay. You, 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 you say, like, I believe in God, right? I am I go to church once in a while. I own a Bible somewhere, right? It's on my phone. I have an app. Or, or you know, I, I grew up in church. I remember growing up in church and went and going with my grandmother hovering around God and yet this seed has not actually infiltrated your heart there isn't evidence of salvation in Christ in your life and the worry of me is like no I'm good and here's why it worries me so much it's because hovering around God was me that was my story like, I was never an atheist. Like, I grew up going to church, praying prayers. I don't really know if they meant anything when I prayed them. But I did, and, and, and I, I believed in God. I said, oh, there's a God? Yeah, I knew more Bible stories than most, believe me. Right? Like, I did. And I, and I went to church. I did all that stuff, right? And I was good. I even believed in morality. Right? I just, right, as long as it kind of fit with my, my life, you know? And I was good, like, like I, I thought, hey, I really appreciated a God who accepted me and just let me do whatever I want as long as it wasn't really bad stuff, right? I hovered around God, and that's the way I was, I wasn't, and I just want you to hear me, I wasn't seeking God, I wasn't, I wasn't. The problem, what happened, at least it was a problem for me, is my girlfriend at the time, I'm now married to her, named Heather, got saved. And what that means is she trusted Jesus Christ, and everything changed. That seed infiltrated her heart, and so we began to fight. <laughs> you, have, you ever been there? A lot of conversations. And I, that, that seed, let me find that, that seed, there it is, right? That, the, the seed that, that she had that she's trying to plant in my heart, I'm like, I don't think so. And I don't want this. I don't want this. We fought like I, I've said to you before, uh, and it's kind of harsh, but but I, I I believe it's true. I hated the gospel. I wouldn't have said that. It would have sounded really weird. But I hated the idea that you're saying to me that you have to believe in Christ to go to heaven. Like, that seemed too seclusive, and, right? Like, like that, that he's the only way. Like, that's just, I hated that. I have a friend over here who's a nice guy. He's a little messy, but so what, right? Who, who isn't, right? That's sort of the point of the gospel. But I didn't realize that, right? And, and I hated that. And we fought. And if you know Heather, she wasn't going to stop, Right. God bless her. She just kept on going. And, and she kept on going. She probably should have broke up with me. She almost did a couple times, but she didn't. And we, we, uh, we kept having this, this argument. And I just didn't. I was like, I'm good with God. We're good. Me and the big guy, right? And um, when, she, when we were in college, and she actually relocated to this area. And uh, uh, when I visited on the weekend, I would come to church with her. And guess where that was? Here called North Oxford Baptist Church. Some of you pre-2016 knew that was our name. I'm the bad guy that changed it. I know, I know. Same church, just different name, a little, little shorter. And, and I would come, right? And, and some of you really old school, you remember this fidgety weirdo kid that was sitting out there like, <laughs> that's why I became pastor, by the way. I can't sit still, so I'll come up here and bounce around, right? And, and I was sitting there, and I'm hearing this message, and it's time it was Pastor Mel Hanson, and he's preaching the gospel. And, and, and I was a little more receptive to it than when Heather tried to tell me. Um, but I was still rejecting it. I was still like, I don't know. I don't know. Right, and I would come. And, and so we're going through, the, through that. And then Heather says, I want you to come to this uh, conference in Illinois for Christian college students. There'll be thousands of them there. I want you to come. And, uh, and, and I was like, No spend a week with this weirdos? Like, no way. Right? Like, like these people are weird. They're just kind of like, if you and, and she was going to go, Adrian, I think is here now, or now married to, to uh, my brother. Um, I think I said my wife in the nine, which everyone was laughing at me, and I didn't know why, and uh, it's okay. It's okay. I corrected it, but they were going to go. I was like, you have fun with, with your weirdo friends. I'm going to stay home. It was, we were going to leave the day after Christmas. It's like, I'm a college student. I just want to eat leftover Christmas cookies. I just want to chill out. I don't want to take a 24 hour bus ride to Illinois to go be with a bunch of weirdos. I don't even have a weirdo in my notes. I don't even know where that came from. And so uh, I, I said, You know what? I have the greatest excuse. This is always a good excuse. I don't have enough money, right? Can't afford it. It's a few hundred bucks. I don't have that. And so Heather said, I'll pay for you. Oh, I had to go. And I had the worst attitude ever. Adrian must have been like, why do we bring this jerk along? Like, seriously, this could have been fun. Here's this sulky guy just like, right? And so we, we take this long bus ride, we get to this campus, University of Illinois, and then it dawned on me, my attitude got worse. It dawned on me that this is a big campus and the guys stay in this dorm and the ladies stay in this dorm. So I'm like, oh, sure. Heather and Adrian get the room together, I got to go just hang out with the weirdos. Like, I don't know. And so I go in to my dorm, and I had two roommates. The first was my age. His name was Mark. And Mark, as I talked with him, I was blown away. He was smart, funny, good-looking, athletic, kind of like me. No, I'm just kidding. Make sure you're paying attention. Right? And, and, but like movies, like sports, like things I did, like, like, but it was passionate about Jesus. I was like, whoa, I didn't know this existed, right? And, and, and he spent time with me. Man, I'm just telling you, Mark, I get, well, 90% of me would say that if I ran into him right now, he'd be like, I don't even remember who you are. But I'll never forget him because of the conversations we had and how he shared his life with me during that week. My other roommate, it's like God actually knew what he was doing, was a grown man, a pastor. Poor guy. And he had brought with his wife an all-girls college group. So, of course, like me, he was stuck uh, away from his group. And so he not only talked to me, you know, before bed and all that, but he, he spent a couple of lunches with me answering my questions, and I had lots of them. And he prayed with me, and he shared his life with me. The guys on the floor, we'd meet twice a day, morning and night, I think it was. And, and, and we would share different things, and I shared There's a lot. I don't have enough time, all the things were going on with me at that time. But, but I'm just sharing, and they're praying for me. They're praying over me. Amazing. I just remember there was this one um, uh, guy named James, an African-American pastor from Boston, the coolest guy I've ever met. I was like, this guy's cool. He dresses cool. He's just cool in every way, and yet he's passionate about Jesus. And he prayed for me. And those guys prayed over me. And then I ended up in the arena, thousands of students. um, Great speaker, but I barely remember what he said. Worship band, the whole thing, right? And I just remember that seed that I had just been pushing away began to spread in my life, in my heart. And I remember my face and my hands. And I remember this amazing theological sinner's prayer. It went something exactly like this because I remember I'll never forget Jesus, I don't know why you want me, but you got me. Right? That's a great prayer. I don't know why you want me. I don't deserve you. You see, in that arena, I came face to face with my sin. That's not a fun place to be. Not hiding from it. Not saying, oh, it's not a big face to face. That the reason I need Jesus is because God loves me so much he wants me to be with him. And he's so holy he can't have my sin come with me. And I can't pay for that sin. Jesus paid it for me. And so I said, Jesus. And he knew, he, he created me. So you know how stubborn and loyal I am, right? So I'm like, I'm going to follow you all my life. And then it's been a lot of staggering, right? And when we're are you guys all perfect, right? Staggering, but in the, the line after Jesus, and that's how it will always be for the rest of my life. It will never change. He's got me. And so the question is, does he have you? I want you to, I, I, I want to illustrate this, and um, for those of you who know me, this is going to be scary for you, but I brought a glove, okay, so you know how bad this must be. It'll be okay. We've survived so far. Our custodian, Elaine, was at church last night, and uh, she, um, she didn't hit me, so we're good. All right. So I want to bring this out because I think this represents kind of what I came face to face with, and maybe you have, or maybe you are today. This is, if this is your life, right, um, I don't know a single person that's ever said to me, yeah, I've never, however you put it, I've never blown it, I've never sinned, I've never screwed up, I've never, like, we all know we have, right? We've all made messes of our lives and other, other lives, right? And, and so that is represented, this is where it gets scary, eggs. Notice how I didn't put it out there, she so wouldn't start throwing it at me, right? Right? So we think our lives is kind of canvas and then boom, right? Ugh. So here's what happens, right, and, and I'm only going to tilt it so it doesn't all slide off and then I will get in trouble, but you can imagine, right, just the, the mess. And what happens, this is why I like this illustration, what happens in most people's lives is we, we think we can clean it, right? If I just kind of, uh, I'll just do better, or I'll, I'll go to church, or I'll, I'll get better friends, or I'll go to school, or I'll get a different job, or I'll get a different marriage, or I'll do, right, and all we're doing is what? We're just, we're just making it messier. Ever notice that? And then, this is what we do. Once we finally realize that's never going to happen, is so we begin to hide it. If I just put my mess over here, and I'll dress up, and people will think I got it all together, and I don't, and the mess is still there. It's just kind of over there in the corner. And see, uh, too many people think hovering around God is, well, I believe in God, and he's got this thing called heaven, and, and yet this mess has to be dealt with, and you can't do it. That's the whole point of this mission of the gospel right, is that, is that Jesus, when he died for you, right, what, what he, he did is, is he took all of that sin, every bit of it, right, and he takes it completely. And if that's you, when he died for you, he doesn't just clean up little areas of your life, Right, he doesn't just uh, just kind of sweep it under the rug or say, "Don't worry about it," or "Good try." On that cross, he completely deals with it. I even brought a garbage. I'm learning over the years, right? Completely, right? And it's no more. The mess is gone, and so it's not you who cleans it up. It's not religion. It's not a pastor. It's not a Bible verse. It's Jesus. I came face to face with that. Have you? Have you trusted that this God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die in your place and he rose in victory? That's the mission. That's what we're all about. And and I'm going to give you in a couple of minutes just space to ask God that. Do I really believe this? Am I just hovering around? Do I need to get serious with this? And I want to cap it all off. It won't be nearly as long, I promise. But for those of us who are in Christ, here's the last question that we've been kind of going over and over and over and over again during this. Am I a part of his gospel mission? Right now. I'm not saying I will used to be, or remember last year, or ten years ago, or right now, right? And it's not to give you a guilt trip or shame. It's just say, right, because what Jesus said is either I'm for him or against him. There's no neutral ground. There's no, oh, I'm over here. I'm not really part of that whole thing. No, 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 no. You're either for him or you're against him. Which one are you right now? Are you part of the mission? I think um, about uh, All of those people that we now stand on their backs. Stephen, who was stoned. James, who was killed by the sword. Paul, the chief of sinners. Mark's mother, who opened her home to the church. Generations after generations of people we don't know anything about who, 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 who trusted and carried this impossible, made possible mission. and So here we are today on their backs. And again, will there be someone here tomorrow because we've been here today? that's the question that's the question you see these 10 people uh this weekend who were baptized like you have a part in that maybe you just smiled at them one day when they walked in and they felt welcome. Maybe you've never met them, but you helped fix the room that made this church viable and they were able to hear the gospel here. Maybe you were in the nursery and took, one, took care of one of their kids while, while they, they listened uh, and, and, and God gripped their heart. And it, I don't know, like, like maybe you shared Christ with them. Maybe you shared Christ with the person who shared Christ with them. The ripple effects of those 10 people and so many before that were in that tank go on and on and on and carry that mission forward. Like that, you think Mark and that pastor, my roommates, like you you really think that they're thinking that day that this scrawny kid, like really he's gonna be a pastor someday and be baptizing people? No. But they were a part of my story because they were willing to be a part of the mission. Are you? Are you? And that's uh, not that can be in official ministries and sometimes it's just praying through your neighborhood. Sometimes you just realizing your real enemy is not some other uh, culture or political party or age group. The enemy is spiritual, right? These people are souls that need to hear the gospel and respond. Are you and I, are we a part of it? So that more and more tanks will be filled, not just here, but throughout the world. This is why we exist this isn't just a volunteer little time or a little money or a little. T- it, is, it is our mission. The mission that is not only possible, it's going to happen whether you're a part of it or not. You're just invited to be a part of it. We're invited to be a part of it. To keep going. If you're discouraged, to keep going. To keep believing. And to keep praying. What I want to do now is if you're not, you know, watching somebody or whatever, if you just close your eyes or just kind of, just, there's nothing weird that's going to happen to you. Although with this church, hold your stuff tight, all right? Just, you know, um, kidding, I'm kidding. Not anything weird or anything, just, just space for you and God. Just space. And the first is, is just, if, if you came in here and you just know I was hovering around God or I wasn't even hovering around God, I, I didn't believe it at all. But God is moving in your heart. Not me. I can't persuade you to do anything. But you feel like, man, I I really want this Jesus. That I want to give you space to just simply pray that prayer. Your words. Mine was just, Jesus, I don't know why you want me, but you got me. Just a prayer of faith. Jesus, you saved me. I don't want my sin anymore. I don't want my mess anymore. I don't want that old life anymore. I want you. Father, I pray I pray for anyone who's in that situation right now. Maybe they're scared, what that would mean. The enemy's lying to them. It's all kinds of mess that they're afraid of what might happen. Oh, Lord, would you give them the courage to believe? Would you open their eyes of faith? To lay their yes of faith down to Jesus? That you died for them? That you rose? You, Jesus. You did it all. You paid it all. You paid it in full. Give them faith to believe. And Lord, we'd love to be able to see their baptism soon. Lord, I pray for those who are in Christ in this room, listening to this part of this prayer right now, that are Christians, but they feel really discouraged because they're not part of the mission. Maybe they feel shame or they, they, they feel frustrated. And, Lord, I would ask that you would wash them with your grace and mercy afresh. That you are a God of another chance. Not a second chance, another chance. To step into the mission. Oh, Lord, show them where you have planted them, their homes and schools and workplaces and families for a reason. It's not purposeless. It's not meaningless. Show them. Show them, Lord. Give them the courage to step into that mission. And Lord, for those who are, who are feeling like giving up because they're not seeing the fruit, oh, would you encourage them, I pray, Jesus. Remind them the ripple effects of their life will be things they will never see the side of the kingdom. That the, that the, the people, that they impact for you that they will not always understand it, but they're doing it and they're faithful to it. Keep them faithful, Lord, through your power of your spirit. we be men and women, boys and girls, fighting for this mission that not only is possible, but it will take place until you come, Lord Jesus. And we pray you come soon. And it's in your holy, precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you can, stand with me and let's worship.